Grace and peace be unto you, and I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We thank God for another opportunity to come before you, God's people. Praise the Lord. With another podcast of 5 p.m., this is your host, Pastor, Pastor Patrick L. Tate. And the acronym 5PM stands for Pastor Patrick's Praise, Prayer, Preach Ministry. We thank God for you on this morning. God is a good God, and it's been a while since we've talked. However, we thank God that we're here this day. God has something good in store for you on this day, and I'm glad that he picked me to share it with you. Hallelujah. I missed you all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas is in order. Belated and happy belated new year is in order as well. And we thank God for each and every one of you. I want you to know that God wants you to be encouraged. Uh, there's a lot happening and we're very well aware of what is taking place in our world today. But God wants you to be encouraged. And one of the greatest ways right now to be encouraged is this. We have to have a good confession. What do I mean by that? What I'm trying to simply say is we must confess our future. We must confess our present status. Anything we have said or will say will lay a platform of our lives. The Bible tells us this in the book of Proverbs, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we will eat the fruit of it. We will eat the fruit of it. And the fruit of what the power of our tongue presents is what we confess. So many times, people of God, the enemy has tricked us to say things that have set up a negative future for us that God never intended for us to have to live or to go through. We pick up things off of the media. We pick up things from social media. We pick up things from our surroundings, our friends, our enemies, our family, our loved ones, our social settings in the music we listen to, in the movies that we watch, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. We pick things up, and if we are not careful, we will repeat something that we have heard over our lives that was never intended to be a part of our lives. And God wants us to have a good confession. Whether you know it or not, you are living basically what you speak for example i in my in my life and growing up i have been surrounded at times by people who said that they would never have good uh, success or they not cut out for that or something along the lines of oh I'm so broke till I can't be fixed or, oh man, 
I just uh, don't know what to do. My life is just a wreck. Or, um, you know, I stay sick all the time, you know. Or um, I never get ahead. People always pass me or get in front of me, and I never get ahead. And when we say things like that, it may sound simple or everyday conversation-ish, but I want you to know it's personal. And when we say things like that, we are setting up a stage. We are setting up a platform for our lives. And we have to be careful not to allow the times that we're in, the people that we're around, or how we have to live in certain situations to cause us to make a negative or a derogatory confession concerning ourselves. Amen. I can remember growing up. You know, growing up in my era, well, being a baby boomer, you can pretty much imagine my age. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I just turned 57 years old on December 15th. Thank you, Jesus, for another birthday. Praise God. And in my era... There are certain things that we used to do for fun, for fun, in that it wasn't always fun when you're the one on the other end who's being made or who's being used to make people laugh. You know, I have a brother who was, oh, a professional heckler, a meddler. And he knew, oh, just how to push a person's buttons and how to get them going and make people laugh at you, I tell you. And when he did that, we were very young. And sometimes when we're young, we don't know when to stop. So we uh, may end up scuffling or arguing or something of that nature and in that, things were said that caused the scuffle or the argue to take place because he was getting a laugh. So he would say things. And if we're not careful, another thing concerning confessions, not to allow people to make confessions over us that are not healthy and that are not to build us in spirit or to build us in character or to build us in our persona, our personality. Because when those confessions are made, be it out of fun, or be it with an angry parent who just lets whatever come out of their mouth about you, or whatever the case may be, those confessions, if we don't ask God, and here's the key, ask God to lift those confessions out of our spirit, to root them out because those confessions are seeds and they get planted in our mind and in our heart and we'll believe that after a while. Some things might have been done in fun, but they were so damaging that it became a part of 
my life when it came to my brother. I know I'm jumping around. I'm scattered here in what I'm saying, but I'm trying to make a point here. My brother, when he did that and would tease me and whatnot, those things took years for me to get those things out of my spirit and to realize that what he said, although he was accurate in his teasing because he was teasing me about me, although he was accurate in his teasing, that is not who I am. That is not who I am. And I had to learn that in life. And with confessions that are derogatory and negative, they have a major effect on people's lives. And we have to rebuke that. We have to say to that, that's not me. Even when it's all said and done, whether it be in fun or whether it be something that, like I said, an angry parent said or something racist might have been said to you or about you or some teacher that was not for your best interest might have called you a name or told you what you'll never have and never be. You have to rebuke those confessions because they are not of God. God has something else to say about you opposing to the negative things that have been confessed over your life. And in that, you'll feel better about you. You'll feel more secured about your capabilities when you rebuke negative and derogatory confessions that have been spoken over you or that you have said about yourself. And it's not your fault if you're saying it about yourself and it's something that's been spoken over you all your life because behaviors are learned. We learn how to speak of ourselves by what someone else says about us. This is true. If you want to see a successful person in life today, if you see a person who's very successful, you're looking at a person who had good things spoken over them as a child. And they were very protected and sheltered and covered. And just not anything was able to be said to them and gotten away with because it affected their lives to the point where now they have confidence in who they are because the right things were spoken. The right things were said. And you can see it in their life. You can see it in their actions. You can hear it in their speech. You can see it in their posture. They stand straight up. They look people in the face. They're not shame. They're not of a broken esteem. They don't have a low self-esteem. But as I mentioned earlier, when you have been spoken evil to or derogatory to or negatively to, it breaks your spirit. It makes you of a low self-esteem. And when that happens, that that's what causes people to have a life that comes up full of drugs and alcohol and sexual activity to make them feel better or different than how they feel about themselves because of what has been spoken. God wants you to know that you're loved and he loves you. And God always has loved you from the very beginning. Even if you didn't come up in a God-fearing family, God always loved you from the very beginning. And God always wants what's best for you. He doesn't want, hallelujah, the things that have happened to be the end result of your life if they are not of a good thing or of a godly thing, if they are not a blessing, if they are negative and derogatory. Amen. Hallelujah. 
There's a verse of scripture I would like to read in your hearing, and it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it is verse 14. Help me tonight, or this morning, Lord, that thou keep this commandment. Praise our God, without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. And what is that commandment? That was verse 15 that I read. That commandment is in verse 14, and it says, or excuse me, verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And before Christ Jesus, and before before Christ Jesus, Pontius Pilate, Amen, made a good confession. Is what that's saying. And we know the story. If we don't know the story about Jesus Christ, let me share this version. Excuse me. Let me share this segment of it with you. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. With you, this is around the time where Jesus was being taken from court to court, accused of blasphemy, of accused of false information. Accused of different things that the Jews accused him of because they did not want to believe that he is who he is. Notice I didn't say was. That was a past tense act, but he still is who he is. And they took him through hell on earth. They took him through when they got a hold to him. You'll find this in St. John, the 19th chapter that I'm talking about. When they got a hold to Jesus, they, they, they brutally handled him. They handled him as though he was the lowest of the low of criminals. They handled him that way. So he wouldn't, so we ourselves in our sin would be handled that way if we were to ask Jesus to come into our life and forgive us of our sins. He died for that. He went through for our sins. He was handled as though he were a sinner so we wouldn't have to be if we ask him to come into our lives. And this is what I'm trying to get to here. He was taken to a procurator by the name of Pontius Pilate, who was a monarch in that day, and he was more of a leader to keep the peace. He was a ruler. He was a ruler that was there to keep the peace in the land. Rome had given him a job to do, and his job was to keep the peace at all costs. And in this particular particular setting, the Jews wanted Jesus dead, so they took him to procurator 
Pontius Pilate to tell him to give Jesus to them so they could crucify him. He said, what's the charges? And they began to make up all types of lies about Jesus and began to accuse him of blasphemies, as I mentioned. And they began to say things that he did, which he didn't do. They paid people to come and lie. They paid people to come and just say whatever about him just to nail him to the cross, which is bad. And that happens today. People are in court for the wrong reasons, for stuff they didn't do. And people will say anything just to make sure that somebody suffers or is punished for a crime or act that's committed, even if it's not the right person. That's a terrible thing. But it's a reality. Jesus went through it. And I want to tell you right there, if you have experienced that, or a person about to experience that, you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Savior and Lord. Why? Because he will help you in times like that. He will make sure that you are safe and covered in times like that. And when the dust settles, the truth will come. However, whatever happens to you right now, the act that you have that you might have, uh, uh, the act that might be taking place right now in your life, as far as court is concerned, the end result determined or is determined by whether or not God is on your side. You need God on your side. And the way to have God on your side is to ask Jesus into your heart. Now, let me continue on here. Pontius Pilate, he was there and they were trying to find reason to crucify Jesus. And he would ask Jesus a question. And Jesus would not open his mouth and say a word. He wouldn't say anything. He would not defend himself. And his reason for not defending himself is he knew he was not wrong. So why would he say anything? If you, if you try to defend yourself, nine times out of ten is, you, or nine times out of ten, you're guilty. If you try and defend yourself over something you're being accused of. If you don't if you don't try to defend yourself and just let it go because you know that's not you, that's a that's a sign of innocence right there. Don't even buy that ain't man, I ain't going I'm not going to even feed into that. Whatever y'all talking about, you're talking amongst yourselves. I'm not even a part of that because you're not guilty. But if you're guilty, you'll try to find all kind of ways to defend yourself. Jesus said not a word. He said nothing. And in that, hallelujah, when the end result came up, the Jews got their wish and he was crucified, but he was crucified only because he was born for that purpose. He's the only per person that was born to die for the sins of the world. And a lot of what happened, all of what happened in his life was prophesied hundreds of years before it happened. And he finally came here to fulfill the prophecies that were spoken about him in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah saw it before it happened. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. In chapter 9, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, with his beating. 
that was laid upon his body, we are healed. So Isaiah saw it 700 years before it happened, but it did come to pass for you and I. God had to do that for you and I. Thank God that Isaiah made that confession under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It came to pass, as he said, told you that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Sometimes we don't want to believe that what we say is true because it might take a long time to manifest. But just as sure as we say something, sooner or later, again I say sooner or later, it will happen. Amen. So it got to the point where this happened two to three times where Jesus was ran from Pontius Pilate to Herod, from Pontius Pilate to Herod, from Pontius Pilate to Herod, until it got to the place where God began, hey, hallelujah, God, thank you, Jesus. God began to deal with Pontius Pilate's wife. See, when we don't act, act like we got some sense, God will deal with somebody close to you to wake you up and shake the foundation of what you're doing and shake you into the reality of what's really going on. So while Pilate was going out just having fun with what was going on, his wife was asleep. And while she was asleep, God began to deal with her in dreams about Jesus. And in that final setting, she woke up and she came and told her husband, you'll see that in St. John chapter 19, she told her husband, leave this man alone. He's innocent. And I know this because I've just had strange dreams about him. When his wife told him that, when Pontius Pilate's wife told him that, Pontius Pilate and St. John chapter 19, verse 4, let me read to you what his confession is that we just mentioned here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, St. John chapter 19 and verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, you all bear with me. I'm headed there. And it won't be long before I get there. Hallelujah. St. John chapter 19. And verse 4. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to read the last line of what Pontius Pilate said. Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Praise our God. He made a hallelujah confession. He made a confession that he finds no fault in Jesus. In spite of what everybody had done to try to set him up and to make him look like something he was not, Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. They told their lies. They had people that they paid to be false witnesses. But he ended up saying, I find no fault in him. In so doing, to keep the peace of the land, he released Jesus to the Jews because he was a Jew. And he said, do as you will according to your customs, but not at my expense because I find 
no fault in him. He had to release Jesus because the Jews were about to start a riot. And to keep the peace in the land was Pontius Pilate's job. So he was doing his job for peace sake, he thought, but not only that, but he was fulfilling the scriptures. He had a hand in fulfilling the scripture that he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus, that is, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. So Pontius Pilate, that's the confession that he made. Amen. In 1 Timothy 6 and 13 it was, is what I was supposed to mention. 1 Timothy 6 and 13. And verse 14 was actually verse 14 that I read about standing before or, or waiting for the appearance of Jesus Christ. And when we make those confessions that are right, when we make the right confession, God counts that. God adds that to our account as blessed. You see, everything that we do is written down in heaven. You'll find that in the book of Revelation. All that we say, all that we do, all that we think is written down in the book in heaven. God has angels recording our actions, our deeds, our words, our thoughts. And when we die, we have to stand before God one day and give an account for all of those things written down about us. And I know some of you listening, like myself in times past, do not want to have to face God with our record because it's not pretty. And I'm going to tell you now, that's why we talked about Jesus Christ dying for our sins. Because if we receive Jesus Christ, that book, our information is transferred into the book of life. And we don't have to stand before the judgment throne of God. We stand before the throne of Jesus Christ, who will judge us according to our works after we have received him in life. I am going to stand before Jesus Christ. I don't have to stand before the judgment throne of God because I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not one out there doing things against the will of God anymore. And you can be that person as well if you're not. Amen. What is, what is sin? Well, we know things that are not right. Things that we know are not right because God gives us a conscience from birth. And we know when we're doing something right and not. And if you're ashamed of what you're doing, it's a sin. If, you're, if you've done it long enough to where it's not a shame anymore, that doesn't mean it's right. It means that you got comfortable with it. But think back to the first time you ever did it. How did you feel? Did you feel right? If you didn't feel right, it's sin. God has given you a conscience to know right from wrong. That's something that's given to all of us from birth. So if you're a liar, you know that's not right. Amen. If you stole something, if you have to sneak and do something, you know that's sin. Because if it's not sin, you don't have to be ashamed of it. You can do it openly. No shame to it. And as I said, if you do something long enough, you ain't ashamed. But think about the first time you did it. The very first time you did it. That's the answer. <laughs> Even... um. Sex out of wedlock, that's a sin. 
God calls that fornication. God made sex not to be a sport or a, a, a lifestyle, but sex is supposed to be the beautiful handiwork of God at work between a husband and a wife. That's how God designed that in the book of Genesis from the very beginning. And he has not changed his mind, no matter how society has changed, nor no matter how many new laws that are backdoor laws have come into play in the world today. Stealing sin, cheating sin, like you're in school taking a test, or doing some work in your classroom, peeking on somebody else's paper. If it was right, why don't you do it openly? You have to sneak and do it and hope the teacher didn't see you. And somehow or another, they always see you. And sin has punishment. It has punishment. It doesn't go unpunished. But living right is rewarded. And I don't want to be punished. Amen. I want to be rewarded. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And I don't want to be paid wages for being a sinner. I don't want death. Death means hell. That's what that means. We all have to die. But the second death, there is a second death that you can read about. In the book of, excuse me, the Thessalonians. And death is hell. The wages of sin is death. Hell, that's the pay that one receives for sin. And it's, a not, it's not a good pay. Because there's no getting out once in. It's an eternal thing. You don't wake up in a new life or another another life as a, a, a dog or a cat or something like that. No, you are a living soul. God made you in his likeness and image. And you don't do things evil in one life and die and go into another life as another form or a tree or something like, no, 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 no. You are who you are, period, point blank, verbatim. You are who you are and you answer for what you do. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What is the gift of God? Jesus Christ is the gift to mankind from God. God gave him as a gift of salvation. We do not have to die and go to hell. Hell does not have to be our final destination. And God meant for all of us to come to heaven, sad enough to say, all of us are not going. There are many who have not made it and are in hell right now. But if you receive Jesus Christ, heaven is your home. Eternal life is yours. The verse of scripture that I did not read because it didn't pertain to this text was in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That's the A clause of that scripture. We're not talking about fighting the fight of faith tonight, but we are talking about the things of eternal life and how your life can end up based upon your confession. Your confession. Let your confession be a good one. Watch what you say about yourself. 
Watch what you say about others. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be able to talk to you, as I said once again. I give God glory in this section on tonight, or this segment on tonight. I need you to be encouraged. I need you to know that God loves you. We're at a crucial time. And as you see, the messages are going to change as time progresses. I don't just come up with a message and say, I'm going to talk about this today. Let's see how this how this goes over. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit deals with me on what to say because he knows who's going to listen. I don't. He knows who's going to turn this on and take the time to hear what this fella's talking about. I have no idea who's going to listen. I just speak it in hopes that the right person hears it. If it's not but just one person that hears it and it makes a difference in your life, then my job is done. And I am happy because somebody has gotten what they need in life to make their life better. I love you. I don't have to know you. I love you too because the love of God is in me to love you. This is why I do what I do and I enjoy doing it. It's not a chore. I love doing this because this is who God made me. This is what God made me to do based upon what he's done for me in my life. Amen. So beloved, 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 hear me. Let Jesus come into your heart if he's not there. Hallelujah. Glory. Beloved, beloved, let Jesus be the Lord and Savior of your life. He died for you because he loves you. Don't let his death, and watch this, his death burial and resurrection because he got up three days later and he's alive right now. He died for your sins and he was resurrected to let you know that if you die in him, you'll be resurrected to go to heaven and live with him and God the Father where there is no flames, there is no stench, there is no darkness. You'll go where the gates are of pearls and the streets are made of gold. Hallelujah. Oh God, you'll be able to eat from the tree of life. You'll have a mansion in the sky. Hallelujah. This is real. Jesus said it in St. John 14, where people usually quote this over funerals. You hear preachers talk about this a lot over funerals. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. St. John 14. If ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, hallelujah, there ye may be also. Doesn't that sound like a blessed outcome, a blessed ending in life? Hallelujah. And the only way to have that is to have Jesus in your heart down here. Glory to God. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to pray and let you go. But I pray that you have heard 
the word of the Lord and everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray that this has blessed you and that it helps you along the way in life. Gracious and eternal God, I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to minister to such a great people as yours. I thank you, Lord, that this word was not done in vain. I feel the power of God at work in this word on this morning, and it's done by faith. Hallelujah. And I praise God for the hearer. Let it be in the heart of man what's been spoken right now. Let it be in his heart, her heart, woman, boy, girl, child. Let it be in their heart to let them know that there's hope for them in this life today. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to minister your word and bring life to people's lives. Excuse me. In the name of Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to pray for that person who's a sinner and needs to be saved. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, you are a sinner. If you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a sinner and you need to be saved from your sins. Amen. St. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you don't have Jesus Christ and would like to have him in your life, you pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to the earth to die for my sins and the sins of the world. Forgive me for my sins, O oh God. I'm sorry for all that I have done wrong. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from all of my sins. Make my life right today. And I'll live for you in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, my life, be my savior, be my king and I will follow you for the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and being my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, guess what? And you believed it. Pray it and believe it. Confess it. That's the confession that you make. If you make that confession and believe what you just confessed, you are now my brother, my sister. You are now saved. You are now in the book of life. Your, your, your deeds have been transferred from the, the book of all your activities that are shameful and all of that. They have been transferred to the book of life and the blood of Jesus covers every sin that you committed and you have a brand new start. You are now born again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you know the angels are rejoicing right now over you. And I'm rejoicing in my heart about you too. I can feel this thing today. I praise God for this segment on this morning. God bless you and God keep you. The best for you is yet to come. Be encouraged in this last hour. Do not let fear overtake your life, but keep the faith. Keep the faith. Have faith in God from this day forward and watch God make great things happen in your life. Amen. Until next time, God bless you.